Hello, and welcome to the Cube Corner Games Podcast. Mm-hmm. My name is Dustin Morbido. It has been quite a day. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. Joining Woke up me, with a headache. Uh, joining me in this quite a day, Lorraine Morbido is here. Full on pudding brain. <laughs> what, what flavor? What flavor is uh, your pudding Chocolate, brain? obviously. <laughs> is there a difference? Like, is vanilla better or... I mean, like, I prefer, like, if I want pudding, I want chocolate pudding. Like, that is, like, my hard... But that means, that implies you want chocolate pudding brain. I'm not going to eat my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, is this a favorable favorable description or not? I don't know. All right. Don't whatever. ask me questions. I have pudding brain. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Sorry for picking at your pudding brain. Mm, don't. It needs to <laughs> set in the fridge. Uh, it's been a busy couple weeks. Yes. Just had a lot of stuff going on. Lots of game stuff going on, lots of other stuff going on, but today we finished mere minutes before this. It was, if my perception of time hasn't been skewed, it was literally like five minutes ago. Uh, we pushed the last update to down the drain. Woo! At least the last content update. You know, if we get reports of weird bugs, issues, like we'll try to fix that stuff as we go. Mm-hmm. But like as far as adding things, like adding gameplay to that game, I think we're done. Yeah, like, I think we've got it. But that's certainly taken a between a couple weeks and a couple months, depending on where you wanna. <laughs> I mean, it's put that marker of where we started. Pretty much been like a solid two months. We were kind of like scoping it out for a while post launch and kind of just doing other like post launch stuff. But we didn't really start getting into the developmental trenches again. Kind of until after we came back from our holiday break. Yeah, you're right. We had some ideas down. We knew we were going to add that boss fight, but didn't necessarily know exactly what, what we form it would take. With or it, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's in, since then, it's been we've been running. Yeah, I think you're right. Since the start of this year, like we really got into proper development of stuff. Before that, it was all like back of the napkin style. Like, uh-huh. oh, what if we did this? And then I'm gonna, you know, write a sentence about it in a notepad document somewhere and save it someplace. Journal in my dream diary. Right. But yeah, that stuff's all done. Woo! Got it completed, and unlike the launch itself. It still takes fucking forever to do everything. Like when mm-hmm. you, cause when you're making a game and you do everything, there's like all the development stuff, all the testing, all the like store management bullshit. I've told other people before that if we had like had money, if we had the ability to hire a person, like one other person to do stuff, that's the stuff that I would have them do. <laughs> it would be like social media and like clicking through the pages, like Steam compliance and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like business stuff and like uh, outward facing things. But uh, yeah, we have, we've gotten that out the door. It's up. Yeah. It appears to be working on all the platforms we targeted. It works mm-hmm. on Linux now, or for Steam Deck specifically. works on Windows. Mm-hmm. looks like it's going okay. So we'll see how it goes in the wild. But that's kind of kind of closed the door on down the drain in a content sense. And now I've got the next month or so of my life is probably going to be porting up-to-date down the drain code into mm-hmm. out-of-date <laughs> <laughs> Super Cucumber Project. But that'll be okay. Like, it'll come together. I mean, you want to talk about other insane tasks ahead of us? I mean, I've kind of, I've mentioned this just in smaller circles, but I am going to be redrawing all of the animations in Super Cucumber. Like, they're not going to be, like, dramatically different, but they're going to be with vector art. They're going to look cleaner and nicer and be less of an absolute disaster for me to update and add new stuff to, because there's, I'm not going to get into the, very bad and not at all streamlined process that I was using before, but it was that way because it's what I had. It was the tools I had at the time when we started this game like nine years ago, and now I don't want to do it that way. And once I get through this hurdle of fixing everything I already did, (laughs) it'll make making future characters, everything, a hell of a lot easier. 
it's more like I have a lot of like just dumb little busy work ahead of me, especially in regards to that. Getting all like none of the sprites are in a sprite sheet, really. I think it's just because of how we were using them with like 2D toolkit or whatever. So it kind of saves me a little hassle because down the drain actually has a lot of sprite sheets. That's what, what most of the images are stored on in that game, just because that's how I was doing it when I first was really using the like it was just specifically Unity's 2D editor nonsense. But yeah, I'm looking forward to just kind of chucking all those other ones in the bin. It's been a huge shift since we started working oh, on yeah. this stuff in terms of skill sets and, like you said, physical implements. What kind of PCs are building on? What kind of hardware you had in terms of, like, Anything. tablets and yeah. stuff? All that stuff is different now than it was many years ago, so... If I hadn't had as much of a, like, fire lit under my ass... I might have considered doing something like this for Down the Drain, but that art was always more drawn anyway, whereas Cucumbers was specifically all pixel art, but in a, like, pseudo-drawn-looking way. And I think now, doing it this way, actually using vector art that can be resized decently, I'm technically only working at... I checked the scale just based on the arbitrary number that I had given myself before. I'm making, I'm going to be drawing it four times the resolution they are and then shrinking them down. So they're still the same size and game or whatever. The files aren't changing. Like you said, ultimately this is as much to, to make it more cohesive, to add yeah. new stuff to it so that pipeline is streamlined and it's just easier for you to build new things. Because mm-hmm. like, as you described, the down the drain art was more that from way its, anyway. from it, right from its inception more in line with like just hand-drawn artwork as opposed to something that was explicitly name-checking 2D pixel art from, yeah. you know, <laughs> like the age when, when people created game art block by block, <laughs> mm-hmm. square by square. I'm hoping that they'll still look cohesive with the backgrounds. I mean, we'll I see. I really but... don't want to have to redo <laughs> that, but like... Uh, well, f- I'm not. I'm not going to revert the sprites backwards, like the characters mm-hmm. backwards. That's not... It's not an option for what, like, some of the other specific changes to, like, just the workshop. Dustin wants a mech. So that was the main factor behind this shift was <laughs> I didn't want to try to make a stupid big pixel-looking dumb mech thing that was going to be huge. So instead, everything gets redrawn. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh... the... As you described, there's only two of us. This is kind of a push in terms of effort because you're redoing some things you've done in the past, but mm-hmm. in exchange for <laughs> future less effort. Yeah. So it's not it's not like 100%. Yeah, no, I don't no. think we would have settled on this if it was just like more effort, but it's like I said, it's mm-hmm. kind of in that middle ground. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a difference t- too between the games because there is enough art left in Cucumber that kind of needs to be done, yeah. whereas Down the Drain was pretty much like you made a few things for me here and there. But it wasn't like it wasn't, a full character. Right, it wasn't it like wasn't... A, exactly even a full new boss yeah. or whatever because the blockage, the boss we just shipped today was ultimately created a long the time ago. Clogmine. <laughs> You're right. Clogmine is, that. that's one of my favorite things in the update, actually. <laughs> the name Clogmine is very funny. It took me a, it took me a minute because I always like, well, if you want some other history, like that was initially going to be like a mini boss type thing in a third level type before we had the other two that Dustin came up with added to the game. This was still back when the game was very different. And it was like a specifically a Unity update that messed up the level that I had originally built. So we just kind of like shelved it for a while. And then we were coming around to like, oh, like, do we want a fifth boss? Because I always had wanted a final boss. And in my head, boy, were my eyes bigger than my stomach in, or I guess, my hands in this case. Because my ideas were 
bonkers. They were going to be huge. It was a mecha lobster. I'll, I'll admit to that. I had drawn <laughs> sketches of a mecha lobster, four claw arms. And then I was like, I really don't want to do anything bonkers. And then I think it might have been during some of those game dev streams that we were like, oh, this can be like the final boss. And then. Yeah, some of the last times we did that, we live streamed updating it down the drain. It was. Working on that. Working, working on turning it into a boss fight. And most of that is completely different yeah, from what, than he's, what we actually shipped when he's fine. in there but i think i think it's better for it like there's I a think lot so of too. I th- some of the things that were in there like i said i think and we'll talk about this maybe a little in going forward we talk about a couple other games here but it was uh sanding down some of the complexity where it didn't mm-hmm. really need to be i complicated i miss <laughs> the piping in the background i actually really liked that the like animated pipes in the background. Oh yeah. Like they wouldn't have worked. They were very specific to the room that it initially was in when it was a mini boss fight because that was just easier for me to figure out how to make because we weren't using a tile map at that point. I would have liked to maybe have the room be a little bit more different, but whatever. It's yeah. Fine. At the end of the day, I think it's okay. Other than I, I guess the fish is somewhat like the like that. Although you know. He moves around enough that like it's different in the sense that this is the kind of the only boss fight in the game that you can freely occupy most of the space. Like most of the, like he isn't chasing you. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of a stationary thing that where threats emanate from. So you can kind of like at some point or another over the course of the entire fight occupy you know all four corners of the room. You know until you can't <laughs> until a bunch of stuff comes to get you. Yeah, but, oh. so much stuff. Like in that sense, mm-hmm. it is different than mm-hmm. the other fights in the game. So I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. I'm pretty sure the oldest aside from. Maybe the title screen. The title screen scene is probably actually the oldest still working thing that is in the game. But the fish, the ghost fish fight, like that room, that scene is maybe the oldest thing still in there. Because I'm pretty sure it's just called boss fight as opposed to ghost fish. (laughs) Because that was back before he really had a name and there were other bosses in there. A lot of core stuff on Marta didn't change that much. Well, I I mean, specifically, like, I mean, yeah, like Marta, the camera. Like, there's Mm -hmm. some bad scripts on that camera that have not been, like, those names haven't been changed in, like, the almost the better part of a decade at this point. (laughs) That's what you get when I'm in charge of anything. Like, it's a disaster. My naming conventions are monstrous. But we ultimately got it done. We did. Got it a done. thing out the door. Again. Well, and again, in this update, like I said, we didn't kill ourselves as much as we did that original launch. It was a slow, steady, consistent, medium speed, steady, consistent. But we got it yeah. done without going absolutely nuts. So I'll take it. It was exciting to get out the door. So I'm looking forward again to really, like I said, in uh, March. March is going to be like Cucumber Refactor Month. So shuffle a bunch of stuff around, get that game propped up on its feet again, then start building new stuff for that. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm probably I I had mentioned this elsewhere. I'm not going to be streaming the sprite redoing process, but I am taking a break from streaming while doing that because I would have done some today, a little bit of work today. If we hadn't been awful game dead mode, I hadn't felt like actual garbage for like the fourth day in a row. But what can you do? But yeah, I'm going to be doing that not on not on Twitch right. for the foreseeable future until time. it's done. The only one I have all kind of organized and together is Cucumber because he, of course, has the most animations. There are some other guys, I'm thinking back to that goddamn beetle, who have a lot of animations, but I'll get to that when I get to that. So much stuff going on. But yeah, in addition to working on game stuff, we're going to try to keep streaming games when we can. Yeah. And including the last couple weeks, we streamed some more things over it's the last true. two weeks. And one of them, one of the two games we're about to talk about right this very moment. Wow. It's called Radio the Universe. It was another thing that we found in the uh, 
Next uh, Fest. Next that's Fest. The one. That's, a, that's the thing I couldn't think of. What is its name? <laughs> and it's a really pretty looking... Oh, God. The, talk about sprite work. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was gorgeous. Like pixel art 2D, Souls-like kind of thing. A little more puzzly, but... Oh, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I checked their more... tags. They have Souls-like listed on here. Granted, oh, it's not in the top, like, five, but... Cinematic 2D indie pixel graphics, uh, RPG yep. action adventure, Souls like I think I think it's funny that great soundtrack is on here. <laughs> what soundtrack? Like that's a very um like most of these are descriptive and that one's very like editorialized. <laughs> like mm-hmm. no, the soundtrack is great. It doesn't even not even like you know like mm-hmm. moody or atmospheric. It's just a, a raw statement of quality. That's not on the developers. That's on the Steam backend. <laughs> it's funny that they that they have that as an option, but. Yeah, it's a it's a cool little game that I think has a couple of neat ideas and a couple mm-hmm. of things that I wasn't so in love with. Because the combat is very, like you said, it's pretty... It's not explicitly Soulsy, I guess. We only played the demo, so we only played it for like, I don't know, an hour or so. But it, it does, like, it gives you up, upgrades to your health, like like your base stats. It gives you a... Different kind of weapons. Different and weapons you can spec into. We got stuff. a couple of different projectile weapons, which were kind of interesting because one of them was like a dot damage thing, right? Like a, mm-hmm. like no, a damage over like time. Like you kind of like stuck a tag into a thing and it kept, mm-hmm. kept hurting it. And yeah, the other, the shotgun one, like you could really dump. <laughs> mm-hmm. That thing would just like, you would just pull the trigger and it would go, which was a. Uh, Lord of Wolves, or not Lord of Wolves. Kind of fun. Fourth Horseman. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff felt good, relatively responsive. The shotgun thing, I think, was a little twin stick shooty. My my memory is fucking shot over the last couple of. I can't remember specifically. Like everything, it definitely it had wasn't like, like a linear. Radical. Like uh, you couldn't, or like you had like a kind of mm-hmm. directional. It wasn't like pure radius based because everything was like eight way directional mm-hmm. from my recollection. But it was a lot of fun to screw around with the shotgun specifically. I think, and that other weapon was kind of interesting. The most interesting thing about the game, period, or at least the thing that I. I saw on this that I don't know if I've seen personally anywhere else was that the experience system is based on how you kill the enemies. Mm-hmm. So you'll get experience and you can spend that on upgrades. Mm-hmm. But the way you get enemies to drop experience is by final hitting them to exactly zero health. Yeah, so overkilling like, them does not give you experience. Yeah, if you overkill them by any amount, like if you have an enemy that starts with nine health mm-hmm. and you do like, you know, four, four, and then like five, like you just overshoot its zero health bound, it won't drop experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas obviously if you do like if it has 10 HP and you in total do exactly 10 damage to it mm-hmm. with that killing blow, like by the time you hit the last hit, uh, it'll drop experience and stuff, which I, I thought was a really interesting kind of clever way to incentivize different combo usage, like yeah. stringing different types of abilities together, like incentivizing it that way. Because another, and I still haven't played more of it, but I do still Well, there wanna... wasn't enough out. Like, we literally played the entire demo. Oh, no, I was going to say, I still haven't played more of um, Hi-Fi Rush, mm-hmm. that other game oh, I want to okay. get back to, but that game has the typical, like... Like it's got its own twist with like the fun rhythm game thing, but it has mm-hmm. the own its own typical action game thing of like, oh, it's we're gonna give you like so many combos. <laughs> like by the time you get done with this game, you're gonna have like 15 different combos that you can string together. And at some point, it's like I don't even know why I should use one over the other anymore because mm-hmm. I just have so many options. Whereas this was a kind of neat way to incentivize you to change up your like attacking cadence and like which attacks you chose to throw out there because mm-hmm. you your base melee attack would do a certain amount of damage uh, your charged up kind of hold down melee attack would do a certain amount of damage and then the projectile weapons all also did you also had like this little dash that always perfect killed yeah right it, right. it was overkilled. it was a uh, like yeah it was like a dash and then push the uh, attack button and then if you did that like if you basically did like a dashing swipe it would kind of override the the amount of damage it would usually do, and, right, and like you said, not overkill enemies, no matter how mm-hmm. much the damage value would have been when you touch them. I thought that was all really neat. And again, super moody, super a- atmospheric, super cool to be in that space. Like you said, it was very post-apocalyptic, cyberpunky. It was grimy. 
really muted except for like the particle effects which were really cool if an enemy shot something or the experience dropped they were very bright and colorful and really easy to pick out but the rest of it was just this lots of like kind of brownish grays dark shadows poppy lighting effects it was really neat yeah and there's platforming that the game does have which is kind of like it feels like in the ballpark of like ocarina of time and on zelda Mm -hmm. games where you'll kind of like you're not jumping yeah you're not jumping mario style right you're like you're like moving up walking to an edge and then it'll kind of show you hey you could land here if you you could jump up to here or jump over to here if you're on the same elevation or whatever which i thought was neat like that was a cool make it less about that type of precision and let the combat be the bigger focus while still having some especially because the the camera angle like it's a very it's fixed kind of like would you call that top down or it looks like isometric i think well, you can see sides of stuff and the top. You're not looking mm-hmm. immediately like flat on it like you're looking at the top of like a checkerboard or whatever. There's an angle to it. There's a skew. Yeah. It made like the depth on like stuff in the environment. Like it made it very obvious explicitly. Like you said, a more dynamic jump, I think, could have potentially been a little more confusing or a little more unwieldy. Other stuff, like the the couple things that really threw me through the demo. And, you know, again, I'd have to play this a little bit to, to see if I change my feelings on it at all. But. For everything that I like about the aesthetic in, like, the world building and the gameplay motion, I still wasn't in love with how hard it went on that stuff in the menus. Yeah. Because the menus are, like, basically in-universe. <laughs> like Kind of, like, speech. fucked up looking, yeah, like, shitty digital screens that, for the most part, don't have readable text on them until you, mm-hmm. like, click a few layers deep. That's kind of a... a preference. Yeah, I think a preference for me is when, you, when your theme has come so far that it inhibits just the basic functionality of knowledge-based stuff. Like, oh, what, mm. is, what does this upgrade do? What do these button presses do in this menu? Like, when it, when it intrudes that far into the game, I think you lose me a little bit personally. But it is a commitment to, a, like, a mood. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's certainly, it's certainly a commitment to yeah. the bit. I can appreciate it. It's just kind of annoying. Yeah, it was not my favorite thing. Because even after I had unlocked a couple things, it was still, like, like you know, you'd go back in there and it's still like, what the fuck is the next thing I have to do? Mm-hmm. It's still just kind of, like, not 100% clear, which options you're choosing where without like really kind of squinting and looking at the thing because it doesn't help that there's also just like a lot going on on the screen that you're not interacting with like there's a lot of just right yeah like set dressing to it, it very, on top of a hundred percent unreadable it, it is very busy yeah and just a pure aesthetic sense like like you said the non, non-interactive parts of that, that so display are also so kind many of greebles <laughs> but yeah so that that stuff was a little weird the narrative stuff i'll be curious to see how that plays out because that kind of and it could have just been where my head was at. Like I the, think it was because I understood what yeah, was like happening. Yeah, you, you, like there was a kind of a little like dialogue exchange thing in a terminal somewhere that somehow I did I just didn't kind of get it, and you, you seemed to understand it perfectly. So I think maybe my brain was just yeah. We saw a cutscene a little more fried than yours like that a, particular afternoon with some really gorgeous pixel art. The oh yeah, scene, that little like sequence. really it was a cinema a pixelated cinematic basically. It was mm-hmm. very pretty, and then this like kind of like audio log that we found. It was like a transcript of it or whatever was technically referencing that but it was a it was a dialogue between two people that Dustin didn't understand that it was a dialogue <laughs> which is fine because again it is just it's text it's text on a screen that I think it was like kind of coming in little by little chalk it up to mush brain um and last thing that I had thought about a, a little bit after playing it like you know it's been a few weeks out at this point uh-huh. but the um the checkpointing in that game is a little weird sometimes that's why i was calling it more of a puzzle game because you're like trying to solve rooms on their own there's like combat sequences because there was one in particular that dustin got stuck on 
early on it was like there was like maybe four waves of enemies or something and dying at any point during that sequence you started over from the top you started over in that room it didn't like put you somewhere else on the map or no, something it was or, that uh, room it's it's the doorways that you come through or your like checkpoints yeah. basically and at, at that point i think that was like at the very very beginning of the game pretty it much was, so it was really you only early. had like one health to spare yeah like, that's before you have any upgrades so it's pretty much one hit I, mm-hmm. I forget if it was one hit or two hit but it was very it was few like hits that. and then yeah. done and yeah, that felt very it felt very repetitive in a not awesome way, especially mm-hmm. for being that early in the game to kind of just like because uh, doubly so because it's like it kind of proves to not be that type of game like 30 yeah. minutes to an hour in like by the time you get a few upgrades, it's not trading in that. Oh, everything is a touch of death. Like it's actually not that kind of game at all. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like happens to be in like the first encounter or two. Oh, uh, while you're still kind of getting your feet wet, which I I just found to be like interesting. And uh, I don't know, it felt a little awkward to me, but there there are a few other things like if the game feels a little weird around the edges i think it's stuff like that like that felt a little weird to me and that checkpointing applies to future rooms too but it's based on your like whatever your stats were when you entered that space so like let's say like you know an hour and you have 10 max health instead of one but in wandering around the space in general you've gotten yourself down to two health so whenever you enter a room it resets everything well so but you it kept your health like it did not like if if i went into a room with two health and wiped i had two health no, yeah, it yeah. resets to you when you come into that room. Like, the checkpoint you make coming into the door is the checkpoint you're restarting to. Oh, correct. correct. Yeah, I think yeah. I just misunderstood what you That's were getting at there. But yeah, so it, so it's very easy to, as you're kind of just exploring just the world, stuck. get locked at, right, get locked in that yeah. same scenario I described early on, where even if you have, like, a decent amount of, you know, health and abilities and stuff. I do think you kind of have a little bit of an out window to, like, get out of the room. Because I noticed, I think it was, like, later on in that encounter where you were stuck, you couldn't get out again after a while, but when you respawned in the room, I think the door was still technically open and you could duck out. It's so like if you were near a computer, which I believe is what recharges your health, you could like kind of scurry away and do that and then maybe come back to it again. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's interesting about it is it's very different than like that is very different than the soul style thing where yeah. like in a souls game whenever you wipe you'll go back to just like a bonfire basically like a some checkpoint mm-hmm. that you've been to somewhere before that is not like the same room you died in it'll yeah. be somewhere else further back in the experience whereas this puts you right back in the room you were still in but uh, also still with the same stats whereas like obviously in souls games when you die you know it resets everything but also resets your position and it resets the world state all that stuff and so i don't necessarily think that one of those is a better choice than the other they're different they're different yeah and i don't necessarily think of like if you just took this game exactly as is and had it plop you back somewhere further back in your exploration every time you died. I don't think I'd like that either necessarily. I think for my personal preference, the thing that I would like, and I wouldn't expect the folks behind Radio the Universe to do this because it would be a tremendous development lift that would like fundamentally change kind of every encounter of the game completely but in doing something like this, like I'm definitely fine with not like having it backtrack you when you die, Mm -hmm. but I think it would have been cooler if every single fight again, just for me personally, was Built to be like a one and done encounter so that it could like reset you back to your base stats whenever you enter a room. Does that make sense? So like kind of every room you enter, it's like, oh, we intend for you to finish this fight using all the resources you have at your disposal at this point in the game. So like like we assume that when you come into this room, we know that up until this point linearly in the game, you could have purchased two health upgrades and like one new weapon and whatever. And so every encounter is going to be built to scale to that difficulty. And whenever you die in this room, instead of coming back... And whatever, like, health state you were from four rooms ago, it's just going to, like, reset you back to full, and then you can, like, just have another shot to, like, get through it. I think that would make sense if it was a little more involved in a lot of ways. Cause, like, I mean, that could be true, too. Because, again, that I just found the difficulty to be kind of, like, all widely all over the place for just not super consistent reasons. Because, again, the, those parts where it 
really got tough in a really like what felt like just like a really repetitive kind of sloggy way where when you just happen to have ground yourself down over a couple of encounters and then in that last really big gameplay thing we did like that boss fight or whatever coming into that you do have a chance to like go to the shop and like Mm -hmm. you'll be at full health or whatever and go into that fight and by comparison that felt super fucking free like it was so Mm -hmm. easy and so simple to just plow through that with like almost no resistance whatsoever i don't know it all feels felt a little out of i mean a little weird there's a good chance that this isn't the final tuning of That's true. Like that first area. I mean, just, right. It's not done yet. I'm assuming they <laughs> could have just had some enemy types made, just try to like build out parts of it. Like, Or maybe maybe that is close to what the first level or whatever is going to be like. I don't know. I'm not that developer. Sure. And then it's again, very interesting. there's a different conversation we'll get into with our next game in a minute, but there's mm-hmm. also the like, like, what is this game's deal? Is it like, mm-hmm. does it exist to like, create like a series of escalating battles that are intended to punish you until you mm-hmm. like really solve them and learn them and get through it or is it more just about getting through seeing the narrative like witnessing mm-hmm. all the environments because if, if the latter is the case then at that point i'd want them to just kind of like turn the, di- turn the difficulty back. down right yeah. across the board to make it more in line with that experience i had in that boss fight where like mm-hmm. i really don't want to like if i'm dying five times on a thing in a row and your goal is to have this be like more of a narrative kind of like just progress from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Like that feels out of band to me. So it's again, I don't, uh, there are no right answers on that either. It's just, you know, pick the thing. You got to pick the one or two things that you want your game to do the most of, like be more focused on and then kind of dial it in it. there. But yeah, I would be really interested to see what, what might change between the build we played and a final release. But again, visually, oh God, uh, looks fucking wonderful. Mm. And the combat, like the gameplay moment to moment playing it feels pretty good yeah like the, the stuff that i'm it's really neat is, like uh, it was a it's a very simplistic general control scheme one or two buttons the directional stuff and they used it to its fullest i would say there's a, a lot of little things in there yeah the, that are like, being... like i said the move sets feel pretty good like uh, the different things you can ultimately do and again we only mm-hmm. got like an hour into it so yeah. there's a little more of that stuff to be unlocked for sure and yeah like i said the moment to moment gameplay felt pretty good overall but I think other, I think that's like most of my thoughts on that. I don't think I really have anything else other than again I'd be curious to see how in what ways if any it changes before launch. The start screen is a traumatic experience for me. <laughs> I don't like it. More cyberpunky like weird. I don't like it. <laughs> Fake CRT tech nonsense. You left it on for so long before we started. I mean, we were streaming. getting the stream all set up. I it know, and I hated it. <laughs> but I yeah, don't like at it. the very least, had a ton of fun checking it out. Yes. And so, yeah, we may or may not look into that again in the future. We'll see. We'll, yeah. But if you want to check out Radio the Universe, I would definitely at least go in the Steam page and eyeball it. But it's on. It's the stores. The store page is up on Steam now. I would definitely search for it and, and mm-hmm. take a look at it. And if it seems like something you'd be into visually, you know, go give it a wish list. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe think about checking it out in the future. But it's very, very cool looking. Mm-hmm. Like I said, for the most part, it plays pretty well. But yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun to check out. And then the other game we played over the last couple of weeks was called Gibbon, Gibbon, Beyond the Trees. And this was a thing that I had just found an itch. I mm-hmm. think it was even just in like like on the front page at some point. Similarly, it was just so pretty looking that I was like, yeah, I'm willing to give that a shot. And I had picked up at some point a long time ago, like probably six months ago or more. But we finally got around to trying it. And it was like, again, neat with some interesting caveats, I think. But definitely worth checking out. Very pretty to look at. Gibbon Beyond the Trees is a relatively simple platformer about like wildlife and conservation. Mm-hmm. So you literally play a family of, well, you play as one gibbon yeah. who is part of a family of two gibbons and their little, their little, little baby. baby gibbon. And you're kind of making your way through the jungle. Swinging, running, sliding. While moving through the wild areas of the world, increasingly come into contact with humans mm-hmm. encroaching on your <laughs> environment until, you know, that comes to a head. 
if anyone knows the state of Earth <laughs> in 2023, you know what human beings do to the environment. They fucking destroy it. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly what happens over the course of this game as you play through it. But mechanically, it's a very straightforward... And I had assumed this, like, even, you know, 15 or 20 minutes into the demo, but I think you had confirmed it later that this is on phones, too. Yes. Because mechanically, it is very straightforward for the most part in that it is... And the controller, at least, it's right trigger to swing, left trigger to, like, run. run. And you can swing on almost everything in the environment, pretty much everything that's not actual ground. Like, you can swing Mm -hmm. on, like, tree branches and vines and, like... Leaves, uh, poles. Yeah. Most things that are, like, any amount above the ground, your gibbon can swing on it Mm -hmm. and kind of, like, go from thing to thing to thing. And then the... The thing with that mechanic is you want to release the trigger. You want to release the, the swing input when you run out of runway of stuff to swing on. Mm-hmm. Like you want to time it just right so that when you let go, you're you releasing get, the button. Yeah. The second there's nothing else to grab onto. And then you kind of like get a will continue forward with like a relatively meaningful amount of momentum as opposed to if you flub the timing on that a little. It really like stalls you out and you'll and kind you'll of fall just, you'll plummet a, to whatever's below you. To your death. <laughs> Whether that might be like just ground you can keep running, or it might be a giant pit, right? (laughs) Or a street filled with cars. Fire. (laughs) And the other thing you can do is push the run button, which, like you said, is required less frequently than I would have expected. Like, there's not Mm -hmm. a. For the game giving you two fundamental things you can do, you can swing for like 90% of it. And like, Mm -hmm. the run only comes into play a handful of times explicitly, I feel like. There's parts where you will end up on the ground proper and you obviously need to like Mm -hmm. run to move across there. And then there were a couple like downward sloping like things like big fallen tree tree trunks and stuff like that. That it appeared the only way you could interact with those to keep the momentum going was to slide down them with the run input as opposed to like hitting the swing button. I mean like the way that they tutorialized it, you were supposed to be able to like shift between run and swing. But I mean swing is the better option because they even explicitly say that it is faster. (laughs) And then, like, the last kind of wrinkle on that is you can do, like, backflips at some point, which is, like, basically just, like, a on controller was, a, like, a D-pad input between kind of, like, swinging motions, and your gibbon would kind of, like, do a little flip, and then coming out of your next swing, you would get mm-hmm. a bunch of extra momentum if you had done, like, a backflip before then. You are locked into that animation, so timing that. Yeah, right. You need to actually have, a have swing. enough air time to be able to write, to be able to actually complete a backflip mm-hmm. <laughs> before coming into your next swing action. But yeah, that 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 stuff, I was really impressed mechanically with how well it worked. You know, 90, 95% of the time it was able to find like a touch target, like yeah. a like a surface for your gibbon to swing on and continue moving. Like that, that stuff worked really well. Mm-hmm. In practice, the thing I didn't like about this game so much, and again, kind of by the end, I liked this even less about it. This really is a tightly packed, like I think we took an hour 10, hour 20 to complete it. Um, and that was like the, we p- finished the game. The, there was a little like New Game Plus kind of thing where you, I think there was like a slightly different gameplay thing you could do. And I'm not sure how long that was. But really the arc of the game is moving through, like I said, these like wild environments into these like human inhabited environments and seeing in real time before your eyes, like the impact of mm-hmm. you know humans on the ecosystem. And the fail state stuff in this game is like kind of harsh in a way mm-hmm. that I, w- I really wasn't expecting and wasn't a super big fan of. Because if you in the instances where you can fail, like where there is like a big pit or the roadway or like fire mm-hmm. or whatever, it's like a full on video game death where like mm-hmm. you lose and it sets you back a decent amount. It'll it would set you back between like seconds and maybe a minute or two, depending on what you flub. Give or take, yeah. And I I did that for an experience that seems m- much more about presentation and like this game literally has like an explicit message. Like by the yeah. end of it, you know, it gives a really powerful like description of how humans treat gibbons specifically Mm -hmm. in wildlife in general and like you know what we can do to change things and 
I was just really surprised to have the cost of gameplay failure be so strict in a game that, like, really anybody who bothered to pick it up at all, I feel like should be able to get from beginning to end without mm-hmm. like, much resistance whatsoever. And so having some of that, some more, I don't know, something that feels that video gamey in a game that is this kind of inspirational and presentationally beautiful because like Mm -hmm. radio of the universe the art is very very lovely there's a lot of beautiful like camera movements where you'll go to like you'll see um, like a waterfall or like the parallaxing specifically between the various layers behind you is very nice because your character is the pink gibbon and there's the yellow one and then the little blue baby and they stand out so strikingly against all the like really green canopies against the really nice the rain effects all the billowing smoke from the forest fires the kind of dinginess of some of the like human camps into like the city and stuff the color design in this game specifically is very nice there's like rainstorms and stuff that Mm -hmm. happen sometimes or like you'll you'll enter a certain area at some point where there's fire and then other than that there's just the noises of the jungle but like all Mm -hmm. the audio really corresponds well with that where you hear the rainfall you hear a bunch of other animals kind of just like chittered around you as you move Mm -hmm. through the space you know you hear the fire when you get to the area where there's in addition to all that visual stuff it just aesthetically comes together really well like that that whole package i think is really really impressive and really well put together Mm -hmm. and with all those other strengths with Again, kind of having it be like explicitly about a message that I would hope everybody will take seriously and like having the art and the transitions between some of the areas be so beautiful and so well put together that like, mm-hmm. like I said, I think there was like a, like an incongruity in my mind with like how, how well that, that stuff came together and how unnecessarily repetitive failing anything <laughs> in, the, in the game mm-hmm. felt like in a very video gamey way. That is not my favorite thing in even like very video gamey games most of the time these days. I mean, if you want to compare it to something else we've played on stream, that one arcane circus game, the migration one. Oh, yeah. It's a kind like it's a similar sort of message, Mm -hmm. more natural than the very distinct and real problem of the human focused one. But that fails state makes a whole lot of sense in that game because you're trying to survival is your goal where it is also in Gibbon, but it is a little more like actively also telling a specific narrative. Are you trying to find that? It was like migration of the journey of the firebirds. Journey was of the, the name Firebird. of that was the name is the name of that project by Arcane Circus. And yeah, like the fail stake there makes more sense mm-hmm. in the context of the the story it's telling, the message that it's sending. Because yeah. the thing there is literally like, oh. You are many trying of these not birds, to die. Right, many of these birds die during migration, and if they all die, then that's it. They're all dead. Mm-hmm. Your, that playthrough of the game ends, and you can start a new run if you want and try to get some of the birds through mm-hmm. the migratory process. Whereas in Gibbon, as much as like redoing a big section of what is ultimately not super intensive input platforming, like that makes it feel like even more of a drag when you kind of have to redo something. Yeah. But on top of that, the presentation layer of it, where it's like literally just like black screen loading icon like a video game, I don't know, it just really took me out of the, no, it definitely the world does. in a way that I didn't appreciate. <laughs> like I, I literally just want to stay in the environment and like watch myself progress through it. I do not want to be staring at a black screen, like mm-hmm. waiting for a game assets to repopulate kind of any time in an experience like that. Yeah. So I don't know, it really took me out of it. Like that part of that part of the game, I absolutely did not It love. was really jarring. You're not wrong. But on the whole, it, it was it's pretty neat. And again, if I putting my own head on of what I personally would tweak mm-hmm. is like as I kind of described on stream, I wish they would have gone harder in like the making it more like a loose mobile focus thing of like make it like turn that knob almost all the way to like endless runner easy. Uh, I want the consequences of missing an input to just be like it just takes you a little longer to get to the end in terms, mm-hmm. but it's still like linear progress, not. 
oh, you're going to re-see this section of trees that you've seen like six times if somehow mm-hmm. you can't land this jump. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? No, I understand. Because it is like, especially still comparing it to Journey of the Firebirds. Yeah, yeah. Fire Birds. Firebirds. That game is inherently supposed to be stressful. It is meant to be. It's very ominous. I remember being just on edge while that screen mm-hmm. was there. Whereas Gibbon, it like just everything is like I know it is a very it is a different kind of emotional journey that you're going on because there's some like really powerful like especially that fire the forest fire or, or I don't know if it was necessarily a forest fire or just like logging probably the latter was extreme like it was you're at one point you're just you're going in this nice green forest and there's a lot of birds flying in the opposite direction the trees are getting thinner and the sky is getting darker just progressing through that continually yeah. I feel like would have felt better right than right. like oh no like especially some of the ragdoll <laughs> on the fire specifically uh-huh. was a little funny but, um, but the difference you're describing there is like you said stressful gameplay wise versus stressful narratively because yeah. in, in journey of the firebirds the the stresses are the stresses in the narrative are all gameplay like, yeah that game has very little kind of like explicit narrative outside of that whereas gibbon absolutely has like an arc yeah like it has a scripted arc and that's where kind of all the the stuff that like really hits home comes into play and you can't change the outcome of that which like i don't necessarily mm-hmm. think you should be able to no that's but again, not the that's, point. Like, if your game does that, if the stresses of your game are not in gameplay and kind of the emphasis of, like, the narrative punch is not mm-hmm. in, like, not tied up in button presses, but in simply kind of, like, getting from beginning to end. It, yeah. Right. Like, I don't feel, I feel like I don't really want to, in a game like that, be, like, super punished for just, like, dexterity-based reasons yeah. <laughs> for, like, missing an input or whatever. I, I just don't love that in a game that's tuned otherwise to be so narrative focused yeah. and so like kind of story beat based and stuff like that. It's just very, it doesn't feel the best to me, uh, at least in this context. But again, like you said, it was a pleasure to get from beginning to end. Like mm-hmm. it was wonderful. Yeah, to I'm see, glad we were able to finish it. To see it through and to see all the, the transition to the environment and kind of see that story. Because it is like, it is very seamless. You'll see the chapter headings come up. But you're just moving. Oh, sure. Like, you just yeah. go the entire again, time. The, Aside right. from the resetting, there are no loading screens. And again, yeah, right. That's the other thing, too, is like, yeah, even from, like, linearly playing through the game, you know, like you said, they went out of their way to make a thing that doesn't subject you to, like, now loading World 2. Uh, like, it just yeah. goes and to, and to see I mean, that stuff in, like, There are a few times like, it's deaths. probably hidden by, like, the cutscenes. Like, there's a few, like, in-game, like, oh, like, you'll get, like, a... Sure, you sure, get on sure. the ground and you just kind of like be with the other two Gibbons and you're just like hanging right, out for a little bit yeah, and then loading, you just keep going. It's loading assets on the back end and stuff. But again, yeah. they made the explicit choice in terms of like normal, like un- mm-hmm. unobstructed gameplay to not cut in that way. Yeah. And to like have that happen all the time, like if you miss an input or two, it just feels very, very weird yeah. compared to the rest of the way the game's structured. Because those like missed input leading to death resets are on specific areas. It yeah, is, right. It's like we put a pit here, and so if you miss yeah, this, literally ju- if you all miss this jump, sudden, you're you're gonna fucking repeat this pit as many yeah. times as it takes. Which, um, and otherwise, like you will just land on the ground, and then you can just hop on the next tree and just keep climbing. Yeah, and in the later part, it makes more sense, I think, when you're interacting with the humans, because like again, that's mm-hmm. more tied with the game's theme, explicit theme and narrative, right? When it comes to like the fire, or when some of the humans are chasing tra- chasing your other settlements, like mm-hmm. that, I'm more okay with, but. Just putting like a giant video game pit in a part that has nothing to do with that. It's just yeah. like, oh, there's just this hole in the jungle. And if you miss this jump, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try it again for another like 40 seconds, idiot. Yeah, that just felt out of place to me. 
But overall, I did enjoy the the game, and I'm glad we played through it. And mm-hmm. again, its message is top tier. Yeah, it's nice when games will take a stand on something that's like really, mm-hmm. you know, grounded in reality and conservation. I mean, it's like is a... it's a it's a good medium to like express stuff like that because it is like that's just a kind of strength of the interactive medium. The experience of playing it on top of a message that's in there. Like, I mean, it's the same with movies and books too. But there is just that extra layer of interactivity that can make stuff like this really hit home in a lot of ways. With all that said, on the whole, like I said, I enjoyed playing through it. I'm mm-hmm. glad we got to see the whole thing Me over too. the course of that stream. And yeah, if you want to check it out for yourself, Gibbon Beyond the Trees is on Itch and it is on Steam. So And at least iOS. Right, I'm and yeah, sure. exactly. Like you said, there were some phone own versions too. So pick your poison. And the only thing it I know it from was I was trying to find all their social media and I was on like their website. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it said that it was on there. But again, it's really pretty. I would still recommend, you know, check just go to go to one of the store pages, check it out and See if you vibe with it or not. And then other than that, I think that's going to kind of do it for this show. Again, we've had so much shit going on that I, mm-hmm. I'm i glad we're not flubbing the podcast schedule. I really still wanted to get a thing up this week. Yeah. So we'll be putting this out in a couple days. Those Down the Drain updates are out in the wild. Yeah. If anyone wants to go, wants to go check that out, just search for Cubicorn Games on Steam mm-hmm. and you can play Down the Drain or Wishlist Super Cucumber if you're interested. If you have a game that you'd like us to play at any point, we're always looking for more new indie stuff. So send us an email at podcast at cubicorngames.com. You can follow our Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, People Making Games, Mastodon, and co-host accounts at Cubicorn Games. And I think that's all the stuff. Those are all the plugs, right? <laughs> podcast, socials, and our game dev. I think I got yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. That sounds right. I think we're going to call it a show. Well, that'll do it for the evening. Well, our evening. You could be listening to this at any time. Wow. <laughs> I'm not your dad. You listen to a podcast whenever you want. Thank you, Lorraine, for joining me and recording this thing. And thank you for all that help over the last couple months getting that down the drain update out. Uh, I'm the tester. Me. (laughs) Thank you, Internet, for listening. We really, truly appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks having played more games and probably not a ton of updates on other stuff we're working on that soon. But within the next month or two, there will be be more updates on the things we're doing. So stay tuned for that. Stay safe out there. And we will see you later. Bye. Bye.